0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi <laughs> Welcome to cute Birth Tales. My brother, name is Zai and I'm Die Boy. Thank you for missing from
0: Molly's
1: podcast. See you later.
0: Kia ora and welcome to Kiwi Birth Tales, I am your host Jordan, I'm a mum of two, I have Jai who will be four in December and Ali who is two this month, I cannot believe it, my boys are getting so old, it makes me so emotional, but I'm the host of Kiwi Birth Tales and I am also a business owner, your birth project is my business, my business baby, and your birth project is an online hypnobirthing course designed to help you create your best birth, so if you're pregnant or you know someone who is, make sure you go and check out your Birth Project. It is going to help you cure all of those thoughts that you might be having that make you feel a little bit anxious about birth or just give you the knowledge that you need to make informed choices and feel really good about your birth experience afterwards. So make sure you go and check that out. Goodness me, I feel like I've been saying it's been a week or it's been a month for this whole year. Um, it's the 5th of September today when this episode comes out. And honestly, I just, when am I going to get my shit together? I don't know, you tell me, maybe 2024. But I'm back, back from my holiday in Fiji. I am back to work, back to real life, and I am back into podcasting. I've got some amazing birth stories lined up for you, and they are scheduled already, so you're not going to miss them. (laughs) And I've also got some wonderful block season episodes coming with some incredible guests that you're just going to love, so... Make sure you are either subscribed or you're following wherever you listen to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast so you do not miss those. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can do that at Kiwi Birth Tales or at Your Birth Project. Today, I have a wonderful episode coming to you from Kelsey, and Kelsey is a mom of one. She's got a little girl named Blake, and she's got quite a long journey to share with us. She had a fertility journey that took about two years, um, and she ended up getting some support to fall pregnant, her and her hubby, and yeah, she talks us through her journey with that her pregnancy and then a premature labor and birth at 33 weeks which was just another spinner in the works for them so I know you're going to enjoy this story Kelsey does a really great job of talking about all of the different things that they have experienced and I just really love chatting with her so I hope you love it too I'd love to hear from you if you want to send me an email jordan with a y at kiwibirthtales.com, or just find me on instagram at kiwibirthtales. okay let's jump into the episode enjoy
2: Hey, Kelsey, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast and share my story. (laughs) Amazing. I'm excited too. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I am Kelsey and I am a first-time mum. I am married to my husband, Jono, and we recently have just had... Our first daughter, her name is Blake, and she is coming up five months old. And we also have our dog, who is pretty much the first baby in our family.
2: <laughs> yeah, amazing. And whereabouts in New Zealand do you live?
1: Um, we are from Hamilton.
2: Awesome. Very cool. I love the name Blake. It's always been on my girl name list. I just think it's such a cool, yeah, it's such a cool name. I love that.
1: We love it so much. We actually had picked it quite a long time ago, and Mm -hmm. I almost feel like we actually manifested a girl, like we always just talked about having a girl
2: (laughs) just for her, to have
1: her name. We just love it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, well, we're going to talk about all things pregnancy, birth and postpartum, mum life um, for you today, but why don't you start us off with what the journey to pregnancy was like for you and Jono? So
1: our pregnancy journey was a little bit longer than I had originally thought. I was kind of a little bit naive and thought maybe it would take like three to six months. Uh, And then two years later, we finally fell pregnant, um, Mm. which to me felt like eternity. (laughs) And Mm, I know in the grand scheme of things, like there are people out there that wait a lot longer and over my heart goes out to them um but yeah just it did feel like quite a long time when we did yeah. get to getting the positive test it was just the best thing in the world.
2: Yeah and if you don't mind me asking Kelsey how old are you?
1: I am 32.
2: Okay because I know there'll be guests listening that like you know um of all different age groups (laughs) who are going through sort of similar things. And I think it's always of interest how old you are. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Do you want to take us through, I guess, yeah. Initially, did you come off contraception and you sort of mentioned thinking it would take like three to six months, maybe what sort of happened in that time period and um, yeah. Talk us through your journey with um, trying to get pregnant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started trying, it was kind of like my husband was like, yep, let's start trying. Um, we weren't necessarily ready, but we were keen to just get started. And then mm. kind of each month went past. And I was like, oh, I just I just feel like there's something not right, but I'm not sure what's going on. And everyone kept saying at the start, we kind of kept our pregnancy journey to ourselves. And Mm -hmm. then as the months went on, we kind of shared that we were kind of trying for a baby. So then more people kind of got involved and like gave us information. And they said around the year mark is when you should start kind of getting worried. So I was like, okay, all right. A year like that feels like forever. Mm. (laughs) Um, And then when we did get to that year mark, we went to the doctors and just kind of explained what was going on. And my doctor a referral into fertility associates in hamilton and we had to wait a couple of months to get an appointment to go mm-hmm. there as well so when we finally did get our appointment it was quite exciting it just felt like we were steps closer to getting our baby mm-hmm. and so we went and we talked to a doctor called vp and he actually said to me like i don't really see anything wrong. Like any everything that I was going through, he didn't seem to think that there could be something wrong, but he said I could have endo and would I be open to having some endo uh a laparoscopy, I think it's called. Is that right? Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So then I got put on the wait list for that as well. So I always felt like the can was being kicked down the road quite a lot. Nothing happened very quickly. And I'm a very impatient person Mm -hmm. and I love things to happen very quickly. So it was like, I really had to learn patience throughout this whole journey.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, so in December, we finally got our laparoscopy surgery, or I did. They actually found that I did have a little bit of endo, but not a lot. Um, They Mm. said it was basically nothing that would cause us to not fall pregnant, which I found really interesting.
2: Did you have other endometriosis symptoms?
1: I just had quite like painful periods, mm-hmm. but nothing extreme.
2: Yeah, so I kind yeah, of thought, okay.
1: I don't know, like, is that normal? Like to get period pain? I just thought it was normal.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then we had that and then nothing really happened again for a little while. So I was like, okay. And we still hadn't, we throughout this whole time, we just kept trying naturally in mm. the hopes that, you know, we'd get signed up to public funding because then we did talk to the doctor and, and he said that because we had been trying for so long, he actually took it from when we first met because I was never on any contraception at all. Mm-hmm. So he said that that actually counts as some of the time that we had, hadn't been trying, but he put it for our case. Um, yeah. So then we got points, which then led us to getting publicly funded IVF
2: mm-hmm.
1: or putting together like a case for that. So then we got on yeah. that list and we were told that that was going to take two years. Again, someone who's very impatient was like, mm. oh, wow, this is going to take forever. And then we had just kind of decided that that was great that we were on that list, but we weren't going to wait the full two years. Yeah. We just really wanted our baby. <laughs> so we were going to do it um, privately Mm -hmm. and then one day I just happened to open my emails and it literally looked like a scam but it said Mm -hmm. that we had been invited to join a study and that we would get access to our publicly funded treatment earlier and that we would actually start in like a month or two and I was like this cannot be true like someone's pranking me (laughs) (laughs) so I I quickly called my husband I was like you'll never guess what's happened and he was like nah it can't be
2: true um but it actually was yeah amazing and did you like oh my gosh I actually know the kind of email you're talking about because I think my friends showed me one before and it actually does look like a scam so did you call um did you call and like try to figure out what's going on here yeah take us through the next steps and um what happened next
1: So I immediately emailed back because I was like, if it's a scam, they're probably going to want, like, some sort of, like, bank details or (laughs) I'm not sure what they're going to want here. So (laughs) I just immediately emailed back and they had, like, all the legitimate details, like my doctor's name, how long we've been trying for, and I was like, a scammer just can't get this stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it must be true. Um, And then they kind of outlined the case study and that it was to do with the study of IVF versus IUI and that you get put in a pool and you get chosen for one and then you get that and then so we were then put into a pool and we got chosen for the IUI study which mm-hmm. in my head I was kind of like damn because i had known so many people that had done IUIs and they hadn't found it to be super successful so I was almost Mm. like I wish I had been put in the IVF pool because again me being impatient I was like that's the fastest way to a baby is IVF Mm. but I was still very grateful that we could do the IUI and then it actually meant that we got four rounds of IUI plus then now two still free rounds of IVF afterwards so Mm. I felt like we had so many more chances
2: yeah amazing and so talk us through the process from there like what happened next and how do you work through the study and yeah talk us through what happens from now
1: cool so then what happened was we had to basically just wait for my first period and um, they said that the study was going to take place in July so whenever my my period started in July when we were going to start the study Mm -hmm. And then I think I was given some medication to take, some bloods to do. I had a Skype with my fertility doctor, VP, and he just kind of talked us through what would happen. And then, honestly, it took so long for my period to arrive in July. It came (laughs) on the last day of July. Oh, no. (laughs) It is so typical. (laughs) (laughs) I was like what are the chances of this I was like is it even gonna count like what is going on typical when you're waiting for a day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then so we began taking I took some medication and I was being sent in for blood tests quite a lot which was quite hard because I actually have a phobia of needles like I'm terrified Mm -hmm. when I'd go in I'd have to get my husband to come with me I would almost faint like I'd go white and he's just looking at me like oh my gosh <laughs> you're so silly and by the end of it I was fine with needles um hmm. so that was also a blessing as well so as soon as my period had stopped and then all the um, daily blood tests kind of ramped up even more because they had to kind of figure out when I was going to ovulate and then I had to go in for scans and check my follicles and in our first round they found that I produced too many follicles so before we could even like complete the full cycle of IUI it had to be cancelled because Mm. they were just too big and I had too many so they said if I was to fall pregnant I could end up with like nine eggs and be pregnant with nine children yeah, all well. <laughs> yeah, that is really yeah. dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite heartbreaking because I knew that the whole journey was going to be hard, but I didn't realize how hard it would be. Mm. I, I kind of was hopeful that maybe it would happen on the first round. Um, so when it didn't happen and it was cancelled, I was devastated. I remember calling yeah. my husband he was actually away on a boy's night. And I just remember calling him, like, couldn't even really breathe. I was just so, so upset that it was kind of over. But he's so good. He's really positive. And he's like, that's okay. We know, like, we'll just do another round. And we kind of know what we're in for for the next round. Like, I knew this is what we were going to do
2: and how it was going to work. So that was kind of good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how were you feeling, like, mentally after that preparing for another round and yeah talk us through what happened next I
1: kind of went into it like a second chance I was like okay here we go like we're into round two we've got four rounds to go oh sorry four rounds in total so that's another three rounds and I just had quite a I felt like I had quite a positive outlook on it I felt like Mm. I needed to be positive for myself to get through it in case Mm. we were going to have another round of not working and then I imagine it would be quite draining, especially like IUI is not as intense as IVF. So my heart goes out to all the people who do IVF um, and what that takes on your body, whereas IUI is just you're taking some medication, you go on for scans. And then at that time, I hadn't realized the next part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But once we got to the second round, I did feel quite positive. Which was
2: great. Yeah. And talk us through the second round um, of IUI. How did it go? And yeah, what happened next?
1: So, this was actually this time last year, which now I think back to it is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Father's Day last year, we actually spent in the blood test place getting bloods done ready for mm. the second half of the IUI. So, we must have realised that, oh, because what happened for this round is they made my medication like a half dose, Mm -hmm. so that hopefully in hopes that I would only produce half of the follicles so that I wasn't going to make nine babies. (laughs) Yeah, And then um, we went in and we did the bloods. So then we went in for our scan and we found that I still had a lot of follicles to the point where my doctor had said, you've actually still got a lot of follicles and at that moment I was like oh no here we go again um and she said our next step would be to quarter the medication she's like I've never actually had to do that for anyone yet but Mm. you may be my first person because you're just still producing too many follicles so I kind of walked away from that little scan going oh man here we go um Mm. but she had said they were quite good sizes, and she was just hoping that some of the smaller ones weren't going to grow in the next couple of the days, which yep. worked out perfectly because they didn't, so we could actually complete the second half of our IUI. And then I remember the day of our IUI. It was such a strange thing because my husband had to, like, do his pie at home <laughs> and then <laughs> take in his sample to the clinic, and he was like, I can't walk up the stairs with this in my hands like I just can't do that (laughs) he handed it to me so I'm like walking up the stairs with a brown paper (laughs) bag like hello here you go (laughs) handed (laughs) his sample over and then they said that um you drop it off and you go away and they clean it and they like just check that it's all okay and then you come back for the procedure a little bit later on in the morning which is so interesting. I would love to know what they actually do with
2: mm-hmm. the sperm in that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so we went away, we had a coffee, and then we went back, and, like, we walk into the room, and there's the bed, and then you can actually see, and I've got pictures, and I was looking at it the other day, of the little container with the sperm in it, which is crazy, because now that's our daughter, <laughs> like, in the jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And then so I lay down and she pretty much just like inserted the sperm. She could tell exactly where it needed to be. Um, I'm not quite like sure how the whole thing works, but Mm. she put it back inside me like exactly where it needed to be. So it was easier to find for the sperm to swim up. And then she said to me in one hour's time, the sperm will have, Met the egg, so you could potentially be pregnant in like an hour's time. And so, I remember writing that down. We were quite big mm-hmm. into manifesting at that time, and at that time, yeah. actually, I was going for a walk each morning and I was listening to your podcast every morning to manifest mm-hmm. and like listen to birth stories and just yeah, like get that. myself into the yeah, it was so such a beautiful time. I actually really look back on it now, and because I would go for walks before I started school. I'm a school teacher Um, and like the sun was rising and I was listening to your podcast and it was just such a beautiful time Mm. and then yeah I feel like we manifested her so then I wrote down like at this time um, the the sperm is going to meet the egg and then we'll be pregnant and then that was it they just say you go off it was a really good procedure Um, and now the two-week wait begins which was crazy all this kind of hype and then you just go away
2: (laughs) yeah amazing and talk us through the next steps so you go home and yeah, what happens over the next few weeks
1: so then I basically just carried on life like I didn't want to think about it too much Mm. because the first round hadn't worked I was kind of like if it works it works if it doesn't I know we've still got two rounds but I'm still trying to be quite hopeful and we were still manifesting we have a special book that my mum gave me and it's. A story called Before You Were Here, and we would read that every morning and Mm. would actually read it to our dog. (laughs) (laughs) cute. And then um, about a week later, no, it must have just been before my period was going to start. I think my period was due to start on the Thursday. And on the Saturday, I was kind of like, if I test, it might come up. But I was like, I just want to find out that I'm not pregnant through a test rather than them calling me because you go in for bloods on that Thursday Mm. and they call you. And I was like, I don't want to find out over the phone. So I didn't have any symptoms. I was kind of like, I'll just do a test and I'm sure it will be negative like it has been. But I'll just do it anyway. And so I walked to the dairy, which is hilarious because it's maybe like 800 meters from my house and (laughs) on my journey to back to my house because I'm a teacher I actually have kids at my school that live on the street and so I'm walking back (laughs) with a pregnancy test in my hand because I didn't take a bag (laughs) so I'm really thankful I didn't bump into anybody and then my husband he's a real estate agent so he was actually going out for a really big day of work um so he was like I'm going out for the day and then I just popped into the bathroom and I did a test and that was just before he left And I walked out and when I first glanced at it, I thought it was negative. So I just put it down and then I said goodbye to him. And then I went back for some reason. I don't even know why I went back. Hmm. And I looked at it and there was a faint line. And I was like, no, it can't be. (laughs) And so I brought it out to the lounge and I looked at it again. And I said to my dog, George, I was like, George, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> he must have just looked at me like, what are you talking about?
2: Oh, my gosh, amazing. I can so relate to, like, telling your dog important news. <laughs> so I feel like they're, they're the first ones to find out lots of stuff. Um, but I can't imagine it gave you too much of a reaction. So what did you do next? <laughs> and
1: then I took about seven more tests. <laughs> <because I've> had- <laughs> Is it just an indent line? Like I'm not sure because it was really faint. So I was thinking, yeah. is it an indent line? But then when I did the next test, it came up again. And then I literally did seven. So they were like all sitting down. Oh my
2: gosh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: They were all sitting on the bench. And then that day was actually my father-in-law's birthday, and so we were all going to a cafe for brunch. And because my husband was still – he was having, like, a really big day of work, I knew I couldn't tell him during the day because Mm. then he would go to work and he wouldn't be able to concentrate. So I went to this brunch and I sat at this table and I knew I was pregnant, but nobody asked it. And my Mm. husband (laughs) didn't know. And it was so hard. It was really hard. It was, like, the longest Mm. day of my life.
2: Yeah.
1: And then I I even had a – like a bottomless brunch to go to and I didn't drink but I didn't like I was like, oh this is the first time I've gone to somewhere knowing that I'm pregnant and that I can't drink mm-hmm. like it was such a strange feeling and one of my friends mm-hmm. actually said to me Kelsey are you okay because like you're a bit shaky and at the time I was just like oh yeah I'm a bit tired but it was because I had actually just found out I was pregnant and after <laughs> two years of trying it was just like the mm-hmm. best feeling but I was still like in a bit of disbelief
2: yeah. And how did you tell him? So us telling him.
1: So he then came home from work and I, we like to go on little drives. So I said, let's go on a drive. And we had this special box um, with like lots of little baby things that we had kind of collected over the past two years. And I was like, let's take the box. And that's not unusual because we often did take the box with us. And then we'd just have like a little drive around and read our special book and, um, And then I put a pregnancy test in a box that he pulled over and I just handed him this box and I'd written a little note being like, you're actually going to be a daddy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I handed it to him and he just looked at me and he said, what does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it means I'm pregnant. There's actually a baby in my belly. And he was like, oh, my God. He was like, no way. And I think he was in quite a lot of shock as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it was really special.
2: Yeah. Amazing. so cool. And so nice, like, obviously, yeah, after having a long period of trying for a baby, that you've finally seen that positive line in a pregnancy test. And, yeah, just amazing to hear. And I can't wait to hear the rest of it. So (laughs) talk us through, um, yeah, your first trimester. How were you feeling? Did you decide to go with a midwife for your care? Um yeah, talk us through those first sort of ten to twelve weeks.
1: So immediately after I found out I was pregnant, I had kinda of been listening to your podcast and I'd also talked to some of my friends and I knew that it was sometimes kind of hard to find a midwife. So I got mm. onto that straight away just because I really wanted to find someone who aligned with what I was kind of mm. wanting for my birth. And so I found my special midwife who is now basically like a member of my family. Like I love her so much. (laughs) She's in all of my family group chat. I meet her for coffee regularly. She's just such a special person. So I was really Mm -hmm. grateful that I had someone, yeah, someone really lovely. And then at about week five, I'm pretty sure it was pretty much week five bang on. So I woke up and I found some spotting um and so I called my midwife straight away and she sent me in for a scan but because I was only five weeks Mm. they actually couldn't see anything at all like it was just too early which was also a little bit scary like yeah it was just you want to go in and see stuff and because I was a first time Mm. I just had no idea what you should see or what you shouldn't see So that was scary. But I also went in for blood tests and they could see that my HCG levels were still rising and doubling as they should. So they said that was a really positive sign. But I didn't actually stop spotting until week nine. So every time I went to the bathroom, it was a little bit scary. Like, Mm. was it going to get heavier? Was this going to be kind of the end? Like, I was just very not sure. And it was just quite a scary time. Yeah, yeah. And then... One Wednesday I actually had really like quite heavy spotting Mm. and that really made my heart just drop. So I remember I was in Tiamudu where my family is and I live in Hamilton, so I drove back. I was calling the scan places. I think I must have been about seven weeks then. I was calling them like, can I come in for a scan? Um, But my midwife said the best way to kind of look at it at the moment is through blood tests. So Mm I went in for some more blood tests and they were fine, and in between then, bang on six weeks, my morning sickness just kicked off, <laughs> and so that was kind of reassuring to me, because yeah. from every day from week six until week 17, I spewed every morning. Oh my god, <laughs> it's,
2: it's like reassuring, <laughs> but you're like, couldn't there be another symptom?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely, and it was always at the same time, Like, I couldn't get out of bed without Mm. feeling sick. So then I'd have a piece of toast and my coffee. And then I would get up to go and have a shower to get ready for work. And then I'd spew. Or I'd just be sitting here and I'd be like, I'm going to spew. A couple Mm. of times I didn't even make it to the bathroom. Mm. Because it was just that bad. And then because, you know, when you just feel really sick and you've spewed, it just makes you feel icky for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. I just felt yeah I just felt really disgusting all day long pretty yeah. much until 17 weeks
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and how did you go um like once the spotting sort of stopped and you were obviously doing the blood test but did you do any other testing in your first trimester?
1: Yeah, so I did the NIP test I just wanted to make sure that the baby was healthy and yeah I just really wanted to know the gender <laughs> I <laughs> like to be quite organized so yeah I wanted to start on the nursery and buy all the things so we did the nip test which I really really um rate doing that and I'll mm. do that for every pregnancy just to know that your baby's healthy
2: yeah
1: I think is really reassuring
2: yeah for sure and before we jump forward from there was there anything that helped you with the morning sickness feeling like was there anything that would make you feel any better anything that you were eating or drinking or yeah was it just like nothing really helped and you just had to wait it out
1: yeah nothing really helped mm. it would kind of change each day and because I just had this disgusting taste in my mouth that mm. I could not get rid of and like it wasn't a metallic-y taste it was just like rubbish <laughs> That's yeah. the best way I can describe yeah. it so I'd try and eat like a mint or just something to kind of freshen mm. my mouth up, but even that wouldn't help. And then the, the smell of people's breath was yeah, just yeah. disgusting. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> But yeah, nothing
2: really helped, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. okay. And so you did the NIC test, talk us through your second trimester. Did you do um, all of the other sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand, and how were you feeling, yeah, come second trimester? I was feeling so much better post that seventeen weeks.
1: I did all the standard testing, I think, just whatever my my midwife would send me. Yeah, things she'd be like, do this. I'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Go off and do that. <laughs> I just trusted her, so yeah. I didn't decline anything. Um, and then, yeah, I felt quite good in the second trimester. And then I also found that my bump. To me, I was really proud of my bump and I was just so excited that I was pregnant, But people would constantly tell me that I was really small,
2: mm.
1: like everyone. And so it was quite disheartening because I was had been on this journey of bit trying to get pregnant and then I was really excited to have a bump yeah. and now I look back on photos like my bump was small but the fact that people were telling me my bump was yeah. small just it really got me. Like I was like, someone please tell me I'm big. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how people like—I don't know—they feel the need to comment on like the size of somebody's bump in pregnancy. Like you'd never comment on that at any other time. I just find it so bizarre that we do it in pregnancy.
1: I know, and just like like tell a pregnant woman how beautiful they look, (laughs) no matter even if your bump is small or your bump is big, like you feel beautiful or you are carrying like a beautiful life Mm. and just to be told that you look beautiful, even if you don't, like just, yeah, I'm very, yeah, just blows my mind as well.
2: Yeah. Okay. And how were you um, going in terms of like planning for birth? Were you joining any antenatal groups? Did you do any other birth education? How were you feeling like throughout your pregnancy about having to give birth at some stage?
1: I was really excited to give birth. <laughs> I was going into it really excited to meet our daughter. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was going to be in a lot of pain, but at the end of the pain would be her. So yeah. it was it was just going to make it all worth it. Um, we did do antenatal classes, which I'm glad we did do them. But I also felt like it was very birth orientated and nothing really about after birth Mm. which once we had our baby and we'll probably get to that a little bit later but I had no idea (laughs) um so yeah I had really wanted to do your birth project as well but I ended up having our daughter quite early Mm. (laughs) so I didn't get to do any of that stuff
2: yeah 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 so talk us through um where you got up to in pregnancy how were you feeling and yeah what happened next
1: so i had got up to 33 weeks and three days and before that like i had really been manifesting uh birth into birth i Mm -hmm. had talked to my midwife quite a lot about it and i said i really want to be at um a place called waterford here in hamilton yeah and so we had went around, we had actually, like, I've got pictures of the birth room. We were planning on birth room two in Waterford. Mm-hmm. Um, I had taken pictures of the room and I was really trying to manifest that that's where I was going to be. I was really keen to be there. So I said to my husband, like, I don't want any drugs. I don't want an epidural because that means that I have to go to the hospital for an epidural. So I want to try and do it naturally mm-hmm. or with gas or whatever I could at the birth center. And so we'd been talking a lot about that, but he had said to me, just remember that things can go differently. So just be open. And so at my midwife and I was like, yep, that's okay. I, I understand. And I know that we're close to the hospital. So if anything did need to happen, we can just go there. Or if we end up there, we will be fine. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that 33 weeks and three days, that all very quickly changed. <laughs> yeah, it was Easter weekend. Easter Sunday morning basically it was 2am in the morning and I just got up to go to the bathroom and I heard this popping sound I was like surely that can't be like it's just too early I was like nah it just nah it's not you're making things up like go back to bed so I got back into bed and I lay there and it just felt like I was peeing myself but I definitely wasn't peeing myself and I was like "Uh uh-oh This is not good. So I got up, got to my dresser, got a spare change of clothes, and then I got changed, which now I look back on was such a silly idea because that wasn't really going to change anything. (laughs) I was going to – my waters weren't going to stop after just a little bit, but I had no idea. Um, And literally by the time I put my new clothes on, they were wet again anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then I woke up my husband and I was like, darling, something weird has happened. And he was so calm. He was just like, oh, what's going on? Like, are mm. you okay? And I really thought that he would freak out because we were still so early. We mm. hadn't prepared so much stuff. We had been away at the beach, so nothing was organized. And then he was like, okay, what do we need to do? So um, we called my midwife. And she was like, you're going to need to come to the hospital. You're still really early, Kelsey. Mm. And then at that point, my body just kind of went into shock. Yeah. And I just couldn't stop shaking, which was really scary. <laughs> I don't know what to do.
2: Yeah, that feeling of, like, anxiety about your baby and what's going on in your body. Yeah, that would be awful.
1: Yeah, and also just, like, why has this happened? Like, it's just so mm-hmm. early. Like, why? Why? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you went to the hospital um, did they get you, like, what sort of tests did you have to do and what happened from there?
1: So we got to the hospital and my midwife met me at the JAWS, which was so reassuring because she just gave me a big hug, um, took me into the room, and she tested for the waters, like the liquid, just to check that it was actually my waters mm-hmm. that had broken. But before she even did the test, she was like, Kelsey, I can see this is your waters because it's, like, a pinky kind mm-hmm. of colour. Mm-hmm. So then they sent me off for some more bloods as well. And then they also gave me the steroid first steroid injection. They said this was just kind of like a safety thing. Um, and they put it in my leg, which really hurt. I don't know if anyone's ever had it, but it really, really hurt. Mm. Um, it was so stingy. <laughs> yeah. And then they also got a, a ultrasound machine just to check that my baby was okay. Yeah. and they wanted to see how much fluid was still around her, if there was any. So that was quite reassuring as well, just being able to see her. Yeah. She was having a great old time in there. She had no <laughs> idea what was going on, really. Yeah. And then by the time this all happened, um, it was about 5 a.m. by the time they said nothing's really happening. They could kind of see some contractions going on on the machine when they put the belts around my belly, but um, they said nothing's happening so you're just going to go up to the ward which was a bit crazy Mm. um and when we had been talking to the people down because we were in labor and delivery when we first got there I said like when am I actually going to be able to go home and someone said to me you're not going home until 37 weeks Mm. and I was like that's crazy I'm only 33 weeks like that's over a month in hospital
2: yeah
1: which to me was heartbreaking because I hadn't even got into the nesting stage. Yeah. I was about to,
2: yeah.
1: it was school holidays. So I was really excited to kind of do some stuff then. And then I was going to go back to work for a, a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then I was actually going to be on maternity leave. And you just had this strong urge to nest. And mm-hmm. I just really wanted to nest
0: <laughs> and I yeah. didn't get
1: to do it, yeah. but that's okay. Um, and then, yeah, they sent me up to the ward, woke up in the morning and they said nothing had happened. So I was just going to stay in for a, a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Just they didn't really have any idea of how long I'd stay there for. So then on that Sunday morning, a doctor came and said that I was going to get a uh, iron transfusion because some of my bloods had come back quite low which at the time I was like, they said, would you be interested in that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds great to me. (laughs) I'm here anyway. (laughs) And then, so I had that. And then for the next, like two nights, nothing really happened. Like I had some mild contractions overnight, but they gave me some, like some stronger than paracetamol drugs. I want to say codeine, but it might not be the one that they gave me. Yeah. And they said if you can sleep through that you're not in labor so i was like okay great i'm kind Mm -hmm. of sleeping through this so i can't be in labor yeah (laughs) and it kind of changed each day with the different midwives coming up like the care very much changed they were so lovely out there though it was quite like a beautiful experience even though it was not what i really wanted
2: yeah
1: the people who were looking after me were so beautiful and then on the Tuesday it all changed. Like it was just crazy. Someone in the in the morning the doctor and some nurses came and said to me, You're gonna go home tomorrow because in the first forty eight hours after your waters break, that's when you're most at risk at going into labour. And if nothing happens after then, then you probably will be okay.
2: Yeah.
1: And so the doctor came around and said to me you are going to go home tomorrow and then someone after that came and gave me my induction date Mm. which was going to be the 11th of May so I was like great I'm going to go home for a month I can nest (laughs) like I was just (laughs) like oh my gosh I can nest my home like I can get every little bit perfect (laughs) and then that afternoon it all changed and at about two o'clock in the afternoon my back just started really hurting and I couldn't really sit down and I couldn't stand up so I asked the midwife who was looking after me to hook me back up to the machine because I just didn't feel right and you know Mm. when you just don't feel right and you know deep down something's going on but only you know that yeah yeah um so the midwife hooked me up to the machine and she came back like 20 minutes later she was like nothing's going on and as she was there I had quite a big contraction and it made my baby's heart rate drop Mm. so she said to me I'm just going to go and get the doctor because this like the heart rate's gone quite low and I just want to double check that everything's okay so I just expected the doctor to come back and say everything's fine Mm. um you're still going home tomorrow (laughs) But then she said to me, has anyone checked to see if you're dilated at all? And I was like, no, no one has checked me. Not like since I've come into the hospital at all. Mm. So from that time to now, haven't even been checked, which you'd think maybe they would check it, Mm. but I'm not sure.
2: Mm.
1: And then so she bought some gas back because she said to me, it can be quite painful. So I was like, okay, sounds great to me. And she put me on the gas and then she said, you are six centimetres dilated. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, like, what the heck? Because just before that nurse had said, I'm going to go and get the doctor. She said to me, by looking at the screen and your contractions, you're definitely not in labour. You're not in active labor, like, this isn't enough to tell me. So mm. in my head, I was like, oh, I'm not in labor. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And then when she said six centimeters dilated, I was like, <laughs> what the heck? You're like, I am in labor. <laughs> yeah, and she said, I can see your baby's head, oh and I gosh. can see their hair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And my husband and I just looked at each other and were like, oh, my gosh, mm. like, this is happening, and very quickly. Yeah. And then so my mum had actually been with me in hospital, but when I had got the midwife to kind of see what was going on, she was like, oh, you're all good. Like I'll go home. And she lives in Tiamiru, so that's about half an hour away from where we were. So she got home. And then as soon as she got to Tiamiru, my husband had called her and said, Mm -hmm. Kelsey's in labour. And then she immediately was like, no, she's not, because I was (laughs) just with her like a little while ago and she was fine and he was like no she's actually in labor and Mm. they can see the head so she had to turn around and then they said to us you need to go down to labor and delivery right now which was just crazy to me Mm. I just I didn't even think I was in labor
2: yeah and so what happened like from there when you find all of that out you're obviously trying to process it mentally (laughs) um yeah talk us through going down to labor and delivery and then what happened next
1: so then they put me in the wheelchair and I was still on the gas and the gas just made me feel, have you ever been on gas?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: It just makes you feel so spacey, doesn't it? Mm.
2: I, th- I I like and it, it like being like sort of early stages of drunk. <laughs> yes. And it's kind you're
1: kind of a bit like disorientated mm, a bit mm. like all over the show. Yeah. And so I remember being wheeled down in the wheelchair and being on the gas. And it was just such a strange feeling because my head was kind of all over the show mm-hmm. and then I was being wheeled. So I wasn't even in control of like myself moving.
2: Yeah.
1: And then we got in the elevator and we went down and there was a point where I was like, I actually can't take this gas anymore because I just feel really sick. And then all of a sudden my contractions just started like getting pretty hard out very mm-hmm. quickly. And we got to the room and I said to them, I need to push. And they just looked at me and they said, can you not? We haven't even set up the room yet. (laughs) And I was like, no, I really need to push. Like I can feel her head. It's right there. And they were like, we don't have anything ready. Can you just please hold off Mm -hmm. on pushing? And so, and then my midwife arrived because she also had no idea that I was in labor. So I was so thankful that she was able to make it. Yeah. Um, And then the room just suddenly filled out with a lot of people because my daughter was so early. It was 33 weeks and five days. I guess they have to kind of take lots of precautions and yeah. make sure there's kind of a person from each area ready to go and jump into action yeah. if they did need so then the room was full. Like I imagined my birth to be at the birth center with just mm, my husband mm. and my midwife and my mum and his mum. But it was like so different, which was okay. Like I was okay with it. It was quite positive in the end. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Even though she was so early. And then basically, as soon as they put me onto the bed, I was like, I just need a push. And because I had really been planning on doing your birth project. I actually had no idea how to push. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I had no idea that you needed to put your chin down and, like, really push. I was very – just I had no idea what I was doing. So by the time I would kind of figured out all of that and got really into it, I think I was pushing for about 40 minutes. Yeah. And then she was there. She came out. And then because she was so early, I thought that she would have to be taken away. Mm like straight away like I didn't think I was going to get my skin to skin
2: Yeah.
1: which broke my heart like thinking about it in those kind of days that I was in hospital so I'd imagined just yeah. that special moment Yeah, but she was actually able to be put onto my chest straight away which was amazing yeah that's so good yeah and then so she was on my chest for a little bit and then they took her over to the special place to do all the checks yeah. And then because she was doing so amazing, she actually got to come back for more skin-to-skin, mm-hmm. skin, which mm-hmm. was just incredible, yeah. considering she was so early. While she was on my chest and my husband was with me, um, they were wanting me to get the placenta out. They gave me the injection. And it just would not come. Like, it was like – like, I've said, i done all this hard work of pushing. Surely this placenta must just be, like, from what people had said, mm-hmm. you don't really – like you can feel it but it's not too bad so I was thinking this is going to be all right like I'll just get it out and like we'll just continue on but that was not the case so I also during my birth had lost quite a lot of blood Mm -hmm. and then trying to get the placenta out I had also lost a lot of blood as well and so they were constantly like picking up um, like big paper towel type things and like Mm. weighing the blood that I was losing so that was like coming past me and I also have like a I just get funnier brown blood as well. Yeah. So that was going past me to be weighed so that they could check it. Um, and it just wouldn't come. So then the doctor actually had me in the bathroom, like on the rails in the bathroom, like squatting to try and get my placenta out, mm. which just it wouldn't come either. And they said maybe it's because you're just so early that the placenta is just not ready to come away.
2: Yeah.
1: So that was kind of devastating to me because then I had to go in for the surgery which I had done my whole birth Mm. without having an epidural or anything to then have to go in for an epidural just to get out my placenta
2: Mm. yeah and so what happened with um Blake at that time was she just down in NICU or was she with your husband yeah what sort of happened um with her while you were recovering
1: yeah so then they actually took Blake, when I went for the surgery, they took Blake up to Niku, and my husband went with her, um, which he said at the time was really hard. He was like, I was kind of, I wanted to be split into two because I really wanted to be with Blake. but Then I also really wanted to be with you to mm. go into the surgery.
2: Mm.
1: And they had said to him that the surgery was going to take 15 minutes. So he was like, okay, I'll go up to Nuku and make sure that Blake's okay. And she was put into her incubator. Um, and she didn't need any oxygen or any help at all. She just was pretty much placed in the incubator um, just with like heart monitors just to check. But mm. they said she just needed to grow basically, which was amazing to hear yeah. considering she was so early. And then I went off for my surgery which yeah. I'm pretty sure it takes like 15 minutes to get the epidural in. So I don't mm. know really why they said 15 minutes to Jono because then he was standing in the corridor just freaking out yeah, because it took like an hour. Yeah, yeah. So I was in there um, and it was so lovely because my midwife said she knew that I was like a bit scared of needles and all that stuff. She was like, do you want me to come with you to the surgery? So she came and she just cuddled my arm and we just talked about random things the entire time. The um, anesthetist put on some 660 and we just kind of like chilled. It was just so random. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when they did try and get the placenta away, it still wouldn't come. So the surgeon like had her hand right up there and was pretty much like tugging at it for quite some time and it just still wouldn't come. And then when she did actually get it, it didn't break away all in one piece. Then she said it's quite dangerous, so she yeah. had to kind of do some extra work yeah. to the point where she said, I actually have to stop now because if I don't stop, I could cause some damage for you having
2: children later on in life. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God, it's yeah. a bit scary? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and was she confident that she got it all out, obviously?
1: Yeah, she was
2: Yeah,
1: by the end of it.
2: Yeah, cool. Awesome. And talk us through how your recovery went from that initially. And yeah, what did you do next? How did you like reconnect with Blake and how long did that take? And yeah, talk us through what happened next.
1: So then I went to recovery and when I said to them, can I please go and see Blake? Because by this point it had been about three or four hours by the time Mm. I'd come out of surgery and gone through all of that. Um, And the nurse said to me, I'm so sorry, but you're actually not going to be able to see your baby until tomorrow because you've had your epidural, you can't get into a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and we can't take the bed up. And at that stage, I just completely broke down. Like Mm -hmm. I was so upset. I was just like, I want to see my baby. It's been like four hours. I just want to make sure she's okay. She was early. And, yeah, basically just couldn't breathe because I was just so, so upset. Mm. And then a lovely nurse said to me, no, this lady needs to see her baby. Mm. She's like, we will do what it takes. So I was so thankful for her. So she said, we will wheel you up to Niku in your bed. <laughs> and so they did. So they took me up in the elevator in my bed um, through the nursery. And then I got to hold her again, which was so special. Mm. And just so nice and reassuring to see her again after quite a long time, it felt.
2: Yeah, yeah, amazing. And was she, like, hooked up to lots of machines or was she just in there, like, on her own under some lights? Or, yeah, talk us through what was that like in those first few couple of days in the queue? Yeah, so when
1: she was in the incubator, she only had just the monitors that they need to have on when they are in there. So they had some heart just to keep um, track of her heart. I think she might have had an oxygen one as well, just because she was so early. And then I think that was it. So pretty much just in the incubator. Mm. Oh, and then she had a feeding tube as well. So my midwife had said to me, let's get Blake breastfeeding straight away pretty much. Yeah. And the nurses up there had said, you can't start breastfeeding until around the thirty-four, thirty-five week mark because their little suction reflex just isn't quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad for my, my midwife because she was like, no, like Blake has come into this world early and ready to go. Like we know that Blake is totally capable of doing that. So yeah. We actually were able to breastfeed straight away.
2: Oh, amazing, which
1: was so special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from from there, she was actually able to come out of her incubator after about five days.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So she must have been about thirty four weeks, between thirty three and thirty four weeks, when she came out of her incubator yeah. and into just a normal cot, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. to me felt like such a milestone. Mm-hmm
2: yeah
1: especially because trying to get into the incubator to change them and putting your arms through the holes is just quite hard mm. um and just seeing them in there especially with your postpartum emotions like I was just for the yeah. first maybe week and a bit while she was in there I cried every day
2: <laughs> just looking at yeah. her in
1: this and this thing I was like I just want to take you home yeah. and especially when Because when you're up in NICU, you can't stay with them. So I was at home and I wasn't pregnant anymore, but I didn't have my baby. And it Mm. just felt so weird and not right. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. And then so I was going up to the hospital every day and trying to recover postpartum. Plus then, like I was out the door at 7.30 every morning Mm. and people kept saying to me, like, oh, you've kind of got it like the like the best way because you can kind of recover and you don't have to get up to a baby mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and I was like I would rather have my baby yeah, because I'm getting up every three hours yeah I was getting up every three hours to pump as well so yeah. I was like I'd rather get up to a baby than a pumping machine mm-hmm. so that was hard I kind of got over people saying that to me I was like, yeah.
2: don't say do it to me anymore <laughs> yeah yeah <poor> <laughs> and how did you go um like with the pumping and the feeding and Yeah, what did your NICU journey look like? How long were you there for? And yeah, talk us through that. So
1: I really feel like I've got PTSD around pumping because (laughs) in NICU there's there's like this room and you go in there and it's for the mums to pump and Mm -hmm. just the sound, you'd sit around on like a couch or a table and you just sit there, you get your boobs out and you just pump and the sound of people's pumping machines and your own is just, yeah. Like, I'll never forget that sound. <laughs> and yeah. walking into the room, you'd always listen out to kind of, is someone in there? Because you could hear the machine going. Yeah. That was, like, oh, I just hated it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And they had kind of said, you have to keep pumping, even when I stayed with Blake in hospital. They said you need to keep pumping, so I actually became an oversupplier with my milk mm-hmm. because they had me pumping so much. Yeah, to the point where when we did actually leave NICU, um, I had six trays of milk to donate because I just had so much. amazing at the hospital and in my freezer at home, like we just couldn't fit anymore. And yeah. so I cut. I felt quite good about donating that to people mm-hmm. that needed. Yeah, the milk. Yeah, but Blake was actually able to come home at 35 weeks so we oh, only no. stayed in NICU for yes we only stayed in NICU for 20 days it was like just a dream come true really and it was really hard when we were in there because we were told so many different times like some but depended on who you had as your nurse, they would say, you get to go home when you're full term or you mm. will be able to go home when you're 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was very mixed messages yeah. to the point me and my husband were like, we don't even know when she's coming home because people were just so confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one day we got tapped on the shoulder and they said, would we like to, it's called rooming in for anyone that doesn't know, we you mm-hmm. stay in the hospital with your baby? For a couple of days
2: yeah
1: which to me was so exciting i was like this is what i've been waiting for mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i get to stay in the hospital with my baby yeah. um and in that time we had to pretty much exclusively breastfeed and they said to me to be able to leave your baby has to put on weight mm-hmm. um it was like 30 grams a day or something and you have to be able to exclusively breastfeed for 24 hours straight and so that put quite a lot of pressure on me because she was so young. She was getting mm. quite tired quite quickly.
2: Yeah.
1: And so she wasn't having a full feed. I think a full feed was counted as like 15 minutes or something. Right. They said, if you can't reach the 15-minute mark, you're going to have to start the 24 hours again.
2: Mm.
1: So I was sitting there like, come on, like waking her up, like rubbing her ears, really annoying her just to get to that 15-minute mark. <laughs> yeah. I was like I don't want to start this again
2: yeah talk us through what happened next like when did you get to go home how did you feel taking her home what was it like yeah just adjusting to life being so unexpected I guess bringing your baby home at this time and yeah talk us through all the feels
1: yeah it was such a wild time because Mm -hmm. when we did get tapped on the shoulder and we did get to room in with her it was quite quick like because it was 35 weeks it was very like my labor just had started quickly and mm. this had happened quickly everything was happening so fast yeah that it was all very much a blur and then even when we got sent home so when you're a NICU and you do the rooming in they say you have to put on weight or the baby has to put on weight for two consecutive days in a row mm-hmm. and so the first night she had lost weight so I was thinking the next night that they weigh her we're going to then at least be there for another night after that, even if she yeah. does put on weight. But then they, she put on 60 grand. So they were, they were literally mm. like, you guys can go home. Yeah. And I was like, really? Like, I thought <laughs> I had to stay here for another night.
2: Mm.
1: And then I just called my husband cause he was um, doing some work. And I was like, you have to bring this, you have to bring this. Like we're going <laughs> home. And he's like on the other end of the phone, like what? <laughs> um and then so yeah when we bought her home it was very much it was really really exciting but it was also very scary having this little mm. baby who was only 35 weeks and because mm. it had just started to be winter I was really worried that she was going to get cold and in the hospital they really stress you keep your baby warm they even said like if you've got a dehumidifier turn the dehumidifier on 24 7 and like kind of freaked me out mm. um but I was thankful that my midwife was like, don't even listen to that. <laughs> like your house is fine. You live in a warm house. Like you're okay. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah. Um, and then I was really grateful that she would come and visit us. She, as soon as we got home the very next morning at eight o'clock in the morning,
2: she came to check on us <laughs> to make sure that we were okay. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. And how did you find, yeah, I guess the next few weeks and, Adjusting to life as a mum and recovering from birth. Talk us through what life has been like since. At the
1: beginning, it was great. Like she was a very sleepy prim baby because she was so little. All Mm. she did was sleep, basically. So we could have her on the couch. We could have her anywhere we wanted. We'd go out to cafes and she would sleep the entire time. Um, and then all of a sudden she just kind of woke up to the world but before that we actually when we were in niku, we were given a nipple shield
2: mm-hmm.
1: to help because she was so small they, this nurse had said it'll make it really easy for a blade to breastfeed so I was like okay sounds great like you guys know um, and then we've actually been stuck on that nipple shield ever since we've left the mm-hmm. hospital, like, we're still on it now and we just cannot get off it, yeah. which has been quite a hard journey because the nipple shield is so annoying. I don't know if you've ever used one, but so annoying.
2: It's so annoying. I did use one for both the boys and, yeah, they are really annoying.
1: It's just, like, having to get it out, isn't it, and then, like, sliding around and just the inconvenience rather than just, like, getting your boob out. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's been probably one little struggle for us um, to the point where I had a lactation consultant come and just see if she could help. Uh, And she kind of looked at Blake and looked at her feeding and she said, I actually think that Blake's got a tongue tie. Mm -hmm. So we went in for tongue tie surgery thinking that that would help. But because it had kind of been so long, Blake's actually adjusted her suck to the nipple shield. And so she, instead of doing like the whole, I think, is it a wave that they're meant to do with their tongue? Yes. Yeah. Um. She goes in and out. So even if she was to latch properly onto my boob, she wouldn't actually really know how to suck properly. Mm-hmm. I just kind of accepted that that's our journey and that it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And for the next pregnancy, I will definitely not use a nipple
0: shield mm-hmm.
2: if I don't have to. Yeah, try to avoid them. It's funny, eh? Like, I, yeah, I had to use the nipple shield, like, for different reasons. And I feel like you can become really reliant on it. But they are just such a hassle and, like, having to clean them all the time. It's just, yeah, so annoying.
1: Yes, and getting it out. Like, now yes. I just keep it down my bra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a pain.
2: Yeah, yeah. And how did you find, um, yeah, like, your physical recovery and... Um like obviously quite an intense surgery after birth. So how did you find you felt physically? I physically
1: found it definitely while I was going up to Naku quite hard. Mm. Um I was doing quite a lot of walking because at the hospital you have to walk park your car so far away and then mm. walk up to Naku and then back constantly. Um, But I also found that that maybe had sped up my recovery because I had just kind of got back into it straight away that after, like, two weeks, I, like, felt fine, Mm. which was great. And I even had a second-degree tear because when Blake was born, she was posterior and transverse. Oh, wow. So even though she was so small, I still tore. But I had said to my midwife, I was like, I don't even know where the um, tear is. Like, I can't even feel it. She was yeah. like, oh, that's great. Amazing. Like, I can tell you where it is. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Awesome. And I know Blake is, you know, about five months old now. So talk us through how you've adjusted to mum life, what it's been like for you and Jono, sort of as a couple and, yeah, what would you share about your sort of postpartum experience or the last five months being a mum?
1: I have just loved being a Mm mum, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I had um, been on the journey for so long. I just feel so grateful that we finally have her. It's definitely had some challenging times, especially Mm -hmm. when she woke up basically to the world from Mm -hmm. being a prim baby and she just wouldn't sleep. She was getting very overstimulated by Mm -hmm. our house just from being in our house. I guess maybe her eyes just started to kind of be able to see a bit more and she would get like these crazy eyes that would look around our house and then (laughs) she would become very overtired within like five minutes it was crazy um so we went from having a very sleepy baby to a very overstimulated baby quite quickly Mm. but now she's settled in and she's you would never know she was prim and we just love her so much my husband has been so great at helping out so because she was finding it quite hard to sleep during the day he had actually started taking her for for walks for her afternoon nap Mm -hmm. um every single day to give me a break he was like I know that like throughout the day when he's at work it's really hard so he would come home take her for a walk just so that I could get the house ready or just have a bath and just Mm -hmm. like even lie on the couch and do nothing which I really appreciated because going into that night shift of up every three hours Mm. and just like having some energy for that I feel like that made a huge difference for my mental health
2: Mm. amazing well is there anything else Kelsey that you want to share about your story anything that we've missed or yet you feel like we haven't covered um I did actually write down the
1: like the midwife care how when we were in NICU my midwife was our looking after us while we were in hospital but then so that time it started from when Blake was born mm-hmm. and then so when she actually came home we only had her for three weeks which was quite hard because in that stage she was very much a sleepy prim baby and then mm. by the time we actually got to like the newborn struggles yeah. and things that we really needed some help with she wasn't there anymore. I was really lucky that actually she was my friend now. And then yeah. I could still ask her, but I didn't want to ask her because I felt bad because my time yeah. had ended with her Yeah, yeah and yeah. I knew she was there. So
2: I found that really hard. Mm. Is there anything like, are there resources or anything that you've found since that have been like helpful? Really just
1: listening to podcasts. Or mm. talking to my sister in law. She is amazing. She's like mm. a baby whisperer. <laughs> yeah. And so, just pretty much talking to and listening to people for some help. But there was not really any resource. Like, we had a hospital nurse come out and help us um, for a little bit each week. So then I was quite busy because I had my mm. midwife come for the first three weeks, plus a hospital nurse. And then we had Plunkett at one stage. There was like a whole heap of people. Mm. But then they all stopped and then it was just us and the newborn stage. Yeah. But yeah, that was hard. And then the other thing that I found quite hard with having a prem baby is the corrected age. So Mm. when your baby is taken from their due date, like all the milestones and stuff that we are going through. It's so hard to know where she's actually at because technically she's actually only three months old based off my due date, but she's five months old but she's not either of those she's like yeah. somewhere in the middle and I just mm. find it so confusing
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that is confusing I think um I find it confusing to like what are you talking about <laughs> what does that actually mean yeah. yeah 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 yeah
1: and even things like the sleep regression that they talk yeah. about like I have no idea when that's gonna hit because we're kind of close to that or past that It's just, yeah, little things that you kind
2: of –
1: you just have no idea about. We'll just wing it. We'll just go through whenever we do.
2: For sure. I feel like that's what parenting is, (laughs) just winging it, hoping for the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with me today. I have really loved talking to you. I know there'll be lots of people that connect with, you know, one part of your story, if not more. And yeah, I just think I'm super grateful that you were willing to share. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. I am so grateful that you choose to have me in your ears every week. And yeah, just super grateful that you are here. A reminder, if you're pregnant or you know someone who is, make sure you go and check out your birth project. Your birth project is going to help you create your best birth, no matter what kind of birth you want to have. So make sure you go and have a look at that. I will be back with another amazing birth story very soon, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening and you get the notifications when the next episode is out. We will talk soon. Enjoy the rest of your day or night wherever you are in the world.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.